The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to In Discussion. Our guest today, our most vital asset in this end-of-year roundtable debate with the children. Welcome to In Discussion. This is David Gibbons on the last day of 2009. And I am absolutely delighted today to be joined by our future. We have CL, Sedona, Ray. I have uh, CL Mitchell, who is CL's uh, daddy, and Lisa Mitchell, and uh, Randall Libero, executive producer of the In Discussion program. Welcome to this last day of the year. Well, kids, how's Christmas been for you? Good. Good? What did you get for Christmas? I got three backgrounds, and I got my own Wii, and I got a Batman. Oh, you got a Batman? Yeah, your dad likes Batman. And then the Indiana Jones Wii game and a squad Wii game. You know that your dad wears a Batman belt, don't you? Did you know that? Huh. Yeah, he does. What about you, Sedona? Um, I didn't get much this year, but I'm fine with that. I got an iPod, uh, and I went clothes shopping. Clothes shopping? Mm-hmm. And what did you do Christmas Day? We just hung out. <laughs> we went to go see, um, with our uncle, we all went to go see Avatar in the big 3D theater. Which no. Was yeah. <laughs> and you saw it in 3D, not 2D? No, it was 3D. Okay. How about you, Ray? Did you did you see Avatar? Yeah, it was a really good movie. I really enjoyed it. And it was a really fun experience with the uh, IMAX 3D. That was really cool. So So a question for CL's dad. Did you have you taken CL to uh uh to Avatar yet? Yes, I did take him to Avatar. In fact, on vacation, we spent an entire week, Mommy, Littlefoot, and I, all playing uh, Avatar. And each time I was allowed to be the largest ugly bird. And so, yes, we, we've seen it. Didn't see it IMAX. We did see it 3D. But I think that we'll have to do that because it's a, it's a great movie. So, kids, talk to me about Avatar. Talk to me about what you thought of it. Did you think it that was uh, uh, really dynamic? How did it come over to you? What is it telling you about technology? Uh, well, technology is really advanced, especially in film, over a very short period of time. Um, some we we have uh, taped movies at home from when DVDs weren't really used, and you can see what was being shown in movies on on TV at that time, and then now and it's really weird to think about the difference I still say like we need to tape this or something I don't say we have to video record this so what about you Ray what do you mm. think of Avatar mm. um, it was uh, really well done I have to say first amazing effects just really incredible and really good story to it too really interesting there's a new thing rather than the usual that I see in movies which mm. is just what about you, CL? Come on, tell me about this well, film. Well, um, I saw the wind. He um, jumped on the bird. He connected his hair. Did you like the film? Yeah. Mummy's got to come in here. Your mummy's behind. Why, don't, why doesn't mummy come in and, and tell us about the day? Maybe, maybe mummy will be able to talk about how you were jumping up and down in that theater. No, I did not. Not. He's uh, he he was quite attentive. Um, all, 
being six years old, he's kind of a rare child in that he's already seen Phantom of the Opera twice. Um, and he sits there for the whole three and a half hour show quite attentive and really enjoys the, the music, the scenery, the costumes, the colors. So it was very nice to be able to take him to see Avatar um, because the 3D has, even the 3D itself has been so um, um, enriched in what, in the visual experience that he really, he was quite delighted. He really enjoyed it, huh, didn't you? What yeah. about you older kids? How do you think that your lives are going to be changed next year? Uh, what, what, uh, what would you like to see happen with technology? Are you all phone, f telephone buffs? Or, or what, what, what would you like to see in the future that will impact you? Um, neither of us has ever owned a cell phone, so... <laughs> uh, I'd like to see technology used in the future for things that will make, you know, be better for the environment, things that will help people instead of using it for destruction. And you saw a little bit of that in Avatar where, um, you know, the people from Earth were, they were using guns and everything and using technology to harm others, whereas the Navi people in the movie were using their sort of technology to learn how to be in harmony with nature. What about you, Ray? I would have to say, um, very similar to what Sedona said, I'd have to agree, because I really feel that way too about that, that it should be in the future more used, I think, for more peaceful things and more things that aren't needed for, that more things that are needed and less things that, for wanting, more, more things that we need instead, instead of wanting, I think. So what would you like to see these big filmmakers do in the future? Better stories. Um, what I usually see with films, we'll go into the video store and we'll be like, well, let's find something that we can watch tonight. And you're looking at everything and you either see chick flicks that are all the same, you see a lot of really bad horror movies that are pointless. There's, there's no point in them except to scare you and I don't know, I'm not into that. Or there's um, like big budget action movies where they've spent all this money on special effects and they haven't done anything for the story of the film. And I think films need to go back to what they were more about in the beginning, um, more about telling a story to people and using the effects and everything that's visual to enhance the story. Come on, Ray, you're looking at me. You've got to follow <laughs> that one up. Um, I definitely want to see less... Um, violent movies even though I love sci-fi like Star Wars but I want to see things that are more um, just better for people that educate them instead of just pointless stuff like horror movies or um, just pointless story there's no story to things I I just don't like those movies really um, sometimes when I'm over at friends' houses, they're watching that, and I just go off and do something else because it just doesn't appeal to me. It's just nothing. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to agree. He said something about, you know, movies having, well, being really violent, and especially with, after seeing Avatar, all this new technology that's around and having the 3D and the IMAX experience, and it feels and looks realistic. I mean, you feel like you're actually there, so... Would you rather be involved in something uh, mentally that's disturbing, or would you rather be involved with something mentally that's very heart-opening? C.O. Mitchell, uh, what do you think uh, about the film industry? What do you think about these films? I mean, are you happy to, to take your son to, to see these films? Well, do, you, do you think that they're educational? Do you think that they're empowering them in the right way? First, as a matter of fact, statisticians argue that family films bring in far more money than do the other films that the, the, the uh, young lady and young gentleman were mentioning. And so we know that there's a certain success, uh, both by way of the adherence as well as financially, uh, that uh, those films bring in. And yet, it appears that there is a, another agenda in Hollywood, an agenda that is not necessarily there to appease the audience, as it were, but to appease the makers. And, uh, and, and I think we really suffer as a result of that because the film industry is not being as thoughtful as it could be. And I think you're hearing directly from 
the minds of our youth, that they do want their minds to be stimulated. They would like something that's thoughtful and something that takes technology and does something thought-provoking, positive, and enhancing to them by way of education and the such. And with that, I do not see that occurring. And, and there are many films that I feel uncomfortable taking our lad to because uh, uh, I don't want to pay the penalty by way of nightmares. I don't want to pay the penalty by way of establishing some uh, false standard for him that will make it easier for him to bludgeon another child or speak rudely to another child or, or even to do that on a larger societal scale. And so I am not overall comfortable with taking him to those. So we are very, very picky. But I think that they've really articulated the point, and I think uh, that we would do well to hear the voice of our children in that way. If we would give something to their minds that would appease their their interests, their intellect, their artistry, then the next generation would certainly speak well to our own minds and well to our own culture, well to our own world, in a way that would cause all of us to benefit. C.O. Junior, I've got a question for you. Now, you were sitting in watching Avatar, yes? Yes. You tell me what you liked about it best. Well, um, like, you could see when Avatar gets with the people and he wants to learn how to speak like them. And they want to, and he wants to learn how to get on a bird, too. And Did you feel in that film like you were flying with them? Did you feel part of the film? Because it was pretty cool, wasn't it? The way that it all came out to you. The whole film actually came out as if you were alive and in the film. Did you feel that way? No. You didn't feel that way? No. Okay. Well, what about you guys? Did you feel that way? Immersed in the film? I did. Um, some parts of it um, got really intense. And so you have to distance yourself from the film. You have to say, okay, this is a... A film that I'm watching and this is not something that's real and you have to because your, your mind it can't tell it's uh, sort of strange <laughs> so especially if it's IMAX you're, it's and 3d you're right right in it why, why is your mind strange in what way do you think that that sort of film is using different brain cells or, or how do you feel about that um uh, like there's something where they they did uh, these people scientists did an experiment where they hooked athletes up to um, brain things and they had them imagine uh, themselves running the race and then they saw what parts of the brain went off and then they hooked them up again and had them actually run the race and, and the same parts of the brain uh, lit up as when they were imagining it so the mind has a lot of power like that so when you're watching a film some part of you, I think, is really thinking that this is real, and then there's sort of the rational part of your brain that says, it's a film, this is something you're watching. Do you guys, uh, have you ever come out of a film and felt like it's changed your lives? Yeah. What, what sort of film would that be? Um, for me, it's, it would be a film that uh, I could either really connect with or something that gave me... Uh, brand new insight. What about you, Ray? Do you um, think Do you think that Avatar changed your world? Yeah, I think that it really changed me actually because I feel just like amazed by it. It's just incredible to see what we could do, and I just think that's amazing. And I want to try to maybe pursue to find even more better things for that. CEO. Yeah. You're still with us? Yes. So tell me a bit more about that film. Well, um, like, uh, Avatar wants to learn how to ride on those things that runs. You like those things that run, don't you? No, what, what are you talking about? What are those things that run? The, um... What, what are they called? Um... Do you know, Daddy, what they're called? I haven't the foggiest. 
Well, we'll just call them things. Yes? So would you like to, all films to be that way? You would? Would everybody here like all these films that we're seeing now to be in 3D? Maybe. <laughs> Partially, maybe some of them. See, it seems to me that you guys all have a different perspective from an old fogey like myself, because you're used to technology, aren't you? See, I'm not. I'm still working with the typewriter. So you're, you guys, this is just not new to you, really, is it? Is it just the, the norm? Um. But is it, are you excited by it? It's definitely exciting, but it's not as mind-blowing as it would be to somebody who wasn't used to it. <laughs> so what do you guys want to do this coming year? What are your dreams and aspirations? <laughs> Get a job. <laughs> At the moment. So how old are you, Sedona? 16. So you're going to go out and get a job, are you? Yes. What are the most important things in life to you? Things I enjoy to do. And goals I want to achieve. What about you, Ray? Um, what's really important to me um, for what I want to do next year is I really want to start working on uh, more um, creations. I, I love to build with Legos. And for this year, I haven't really begun to start working on more creations, and so I want to start working for more projects for this year. So, C.O. Mitchell, what do you think about the future for kids? That is one of the most difficult questions to answer. I think I sit here in the studio, and I look at these wonderful children and there is an aspect of my heart that grieves because we are bereft of so many as a result of the common incourtesies that are being uh, realized upon children all throughout the world as well as children who will never have the opportunity to accomplish the feats that these young people speak of those who will never be given the opportunity to take their first refreshing breath here. Uh, but then, for those that are here, uh, I think about a world that is given over to its own selfish idiosyncrasies, a world where uh, nations are in debt, a world where peace is a thing of the past, a world where technology is used as a weapon uh, far less than it is as a benefit to overall society. I, I think of a world where, particularly in America, our educational system is suffering to such an extent that uh, our children are almost forced to, uh, uh, to go across the world in order to find fine institutional academia. Uh, I look at the family unit in which parents are either personally busied or forced to be so busy that uh, the family suffers in untold ways. Do I have hope? I do have hope. I look in the eyes of these young people and I see uh, a future that has great potential. But I also realize that within that future, we are their trainers. And uh, children whose eyes have hope and they are aflame often have the flames uh, put out very early because we teach them how to forego dreaming and become one of those uh, who walk along in a black and white world without the coloration of beauty for creative artists or for individuals who want to work integral jobs or for a young lad such as our son who's coming up and, and wants to see films that inspire he, his mother, and his father to run throughout a playground and uh, pretend that they are characters to the delight of the child, memories that he will never forget, by the way. So I do have hope, but I also have great sobriety and caution and we must be responsible with tomorrow don't you think that we're we're living in a world here with technology that can make us all filmmakers can make us not just uh, spectators but can make us uh, creators 
developers of our of our own world to be able to illustrate our own world where wherever we are it it seems to me that the technology that we are seeing can be used to great good absolutely um uh, it, my statement of sobriety, interestingly enough, comes from my delight for superheroes uh, at the pen of Stan Lee, Spider-Man. Uh, his uncle's statement, with great power comes great responsibility. And I do think, as the young lady said, um, the mind is stimulated. And can you imagine if we are stimulated by this great artistry in a positive way, uh, what certain films like um, Saw six. I, I I wonder how many Jasons can we have? How many Saw six? Saw you, have you yeah. actually seen Saw six? No, I haven't seen it. But what the is, numbers it sounds awful. There are six of them. <laughs> there are six of them. I mean, uh, there are Jason movies galore. There are slashers and dashes, and and and, and I'm not saying that in in a in a negative judgmental fashion. Albeit, I am saying that in a responsible fashion, that we can do more. Lion King made records at the box office, and it inspired, it showed beauty, it showed uh, um, uh, capacity. Uh, but if we're making films that stimulate children's mind and stimulate rage or anger or hatred or, or, or malice or a lack of peace or a lack of unity, and then we turn around on one end and we say, but we shouldn't be that way. And we show films that forward thievery, but then we say, don't steal our music because you're hurting us financially. What will we do with this conflicting uh, um, uh, um, message? I'm interested to see what my friend Randall Libero has to say about that. Well, I've talked many times on, on my program, Spirit of Film Conversations, and I've, on the few times that David, you and I have gotten together and, and discussed this exact topic. And I feel it's time for a change in terms of the whole entertainment industry, which is one of the reasons why we're doing our Visionary Entertainment series, is to herald that change, is to talk about the, the time now for artists and writers and directors and producers to begin to take responsibility for our collective future and what they put out in as they make money and make their careers they need to give it a second thought and realize that if they want a better world themselves and if they want to live in the better world they have to step up to the plate and they have to take responsibility for what they're putting out to the public because dreams are being shaped by movies as I say on my show, movies and media are changing the way we think, live, relate, and dream. And the dream part, as you heard today on this program, is a very important part of the uh, mind of our young um, people, young boys and girls, and how they're looking at our future. And when they see a society that is uh, promoting violence as a solution and uh, in those kinds of things rather than how to cooperate, how to collaborate, how to find, you know, a common ground in what they see on the screen, on the big screen, and in DVDs and theaters and in their home televisions, that gives them, that disillusions them as to having a less than positive view of our future. So that's really why, where I think that movies can come in and they can rally our youth into creating a more visionary future. You know, um... I go to a school where we have a, a film program, and I remember a few years ago, a friend of mine, or an acquaintance, uh, was talking about, I'm going to go out and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a film, it's going to be so cool, do you want to be in it? And I'm like, well, w what is it about? And he started talking about it, and it was a generic, kill the bad guys, um, uh, alternate universe sort of thing, and then I asked him, okay, well, uh, what's your message in this? What's your purpose in this? And his answer to me was, it doesn't have a purpose. And so I decided not to be part of that. Uh, I also, you know, think it's uh, something that's really, uh, the films that are happening now are something that's uh, really affecting the people and the kids who are out here now. So Everybody says the kids are going to change the future. Well, I guess the adults are going to have to do something, too, so that they can help the kids to change the future. 
And we keep talking about, you know, nonviolent movies or ones that have, you know, peace in them. And um, I think that's a good thing, but I don't think that you can have a, a good story without some sort of conflict. But there has to be a purpose to the conflict, in my opinion. There needs to be some sort of higher message that's put into that. So I'm not saying that, you know, films should be completely nonviolent. Um, violence has a purpose to a point. You want to say anything else about that? Uh, no, I think she summed it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, kids, what do we have to do as adults to steer you in the right direction? Realize what that the effect that you're having on us, and um, think, well, this is what I'm doing now. What is that going to tell people who are younger than me? C.O. Mitchell, what do you think that we can do to uh, bring these kids into a great new year? What can, what can we teach them at this stage? I think we have to realize again that the power for impression really does lie uh, at the home. Uh, I, I really do believe that while some of my statements seem to be somewhat um, critical and chastising of the film industry or the technological industry. Um, uh, it is to be understood that these are not parent bodies and they do not have the responsibility that the parent has. And I think we must recognize um, the great weight that lies upon our shoulders to instruct our children at home and to instruct them so that that proper teaching will follow them throughout their sociological ventures. Um, secondarily, um, education is not the cure to all ills, but it certainly does aid in a great way. We have to do something about our educational system. And we have to realize, again, that um, our children will be great benefits to us in the future, but we must work for that in a way that does not negate the reality that they won't necessarily be able to turn everything around. They will in fact forge certain things that will be their own mistakes for their own generation. And So we're not suggesting that they are the great hopes ultimately and finally we are suggesting that they will be a ring in the ladder, if you will, toward improvement if we are very, very, very careful. Randall, what do you think about 2010 as far as the film industry is concerned? Maybe, Randall, you, you should uh, let our listeners know about visionary entertainment and how we want to use that uh, in an educational format. In, re in responding to, to CL, to... Uh, assuring that the, the film industry can become beneficial to children and, and not detrimental? Well, I think it, it's, it's time for uh, a sort of revitalization of not just Hollywood, but just for people who are creating media in any form, uh, whether it's just videos on the Internet or it's, uh, you know, major motion pictures. Uh, there's, there's so much of a... Uh, a desire for things to become better right now and there's a lot of conversation about how to do that so our show our series which is called visionary entertainment and we're we're creating these radio shows and video programs for next year will be seen on the internet it'll be seen hopefully on television and of course we'll have these radio shows and what we hope to do is stimulate people toward thinking about using media in a new way and to really begin to create a foundation for a new possibility of what the future might be and to realize that sort of reclaim the sacred power of the arts to change us because with the new 3D technologies we're going to be able to experience our world even not just a world of modern day society but our natural world in whole new ways which will give us a direct experience of what it's like to be there at 
that place that we're looking at. So for example, on top of a mountain or underneath the ocean or maybe even in space, that we'll be able to really feel what that's like. And that's going to create a great excitement. But at the same time, as the technology gives us that experience, I think it's important to create um, entertainment vehicles and educational vehicles that will benefit people's minds and, and, and give them ideas of what, how we can create the future into, and to create a more positive one. And our program, Visionary Entertainment, is going to reach into the educational sector. We're going to talk to media creators, film students, that are making films today and, and in the future and are the future leaders in terms of our entertainment and media industries. And we're also going to reach out to the mainstream entertainment industry and bring these different aspects of the youth and the established professionals together. And we hope that the professionals will see the opportunity to bring in uh, programs in, in the entertainment industry which will uh, apprenticeship, create apprenticeships, and to create more of an education for the youth to instruct them, just like the elders in traditional societies do, that the elders talk to the youth, and there's a direct connection there. And traditional societies have done that around the world uh, for thousands of years. And I think we need to bring that into a sort of new paradigm for the entertainment industry, and we hope that our show uh, will be the, the point of where that that idea can be stimulated. How is it that we can bring people together across the world, CL? Uh, wh what is it that we can do better that we're doing now, and, and certainly for our, our children? What can we do to bring creeds together and cultures together and, and create a more um, common road for ourselves in the future? That's surely what we need to do now. There's so much diversity in the world. There's so many uh, uh, cultures and nations going in completely different directions. What can we do for these kids here that will, that will bring them all together? There is an aspect of diversity that is wonderful and endearing. Uh, unity is not uniformity. We're not talking about sameness, but we are talking about a unity in essentials, a unity in the appreciation of life, human life overall, an essential humility that does not allow one society to think itself better than another, and the practicality by which that is accomplished, a consideration for one's common man that disallows the kind of arrogance that allows one nation to uh, try and destroy another nation or one nation to so um, be inconsiderate concerning resources that we are hardly thoughtful concerning others that are hungry and thirsty all throughout the world. And I think that kind of consideration must be um, uh, a high point in every nation and in every man's heart. But with that said, uh, those are answers, uh, and those answers are not theoretic. They are real. The problem is you take those answers with the ingredient of the human heart, and the human heart, with its darkness and with its callousness, will always find a way to prefer itself above another, and will always find a way to justify the end uh, the means by the end. Uh, in other words, what we make and what we can get out of this is certainly worth the 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 death toll. It's certainly worth the constant suffering. Um, and so something has to be done that's far beyond our academic system, far beyond our financial system, uh, far beyond just the human thought process to heal the human heart so that the human heart with these ingredients can do something that is well worthwhile and see to the overall benefit of the human populace. And I'm afraid that that kind of answer is an answer 
that transcends humanity but aids humanity. And in that perspective, we're discussing something on a biblical scale, something on a cosmic biblical scale, not just something on a human scale, because uh, we've tried it for how many thousands of years? And our records show that we have not improved, as it were. We have certainly uh, become more degraded. We have certainly become worsened in our efforts. But there is a means and methodology if our hearts will submit to the cure. Uh, but that has to be uh, just it we have to submit to the cure uh, in order for those essential ingredients to work kids what is it that you want to see next year how how would you like humankind to come closer together how would you like to see people treat you how would you like to treat other people it's a big question <laughs> um What about you, Ray? Um, I really... Do you know why I'm asking you this? Because you're our future. Yeah. You're our future, so we're, we're hoping that you can improve and take on the challenges that, that, that we have, and you can, you can make things better. You can, you can make a great new world. I'd like to see people around you, just everyday people walking down the street, feel more unified. Um, Everybody sort of is living in their own little box. We're all very separate, I feel. And there's sort of this attitude of, well, if I do it, I'll just be by myself. Nobody will want to join me, you know. And who's going to care about me? Everybody else has to do what they have to do. So I'd just like to see people more compassionate towards each other, more willing to help each other without being directly asked. I think that, Randall, you must be a very proud daddy. <laughs> yeah, I'd definitely say that. Did you want to chime in on anything, Ray, as far as something that you'd like to say? Um, yeah, sure. I also wanted to say I wish people would come together more and um, just instead of coming together on their cell phones or texting and actually coming together and meeting each other and talking face-to-face having a real conversation and not little words on a screen. So are you saying that you don't like technology or you don't like the use of telephones? What do you think it does to our communication? Does it does I it interfere? I think I think um that it's really it's a great thing, but people overuse it and not use it in a responsible way that they should. Like sometimes I'll just see kids just texting in class, you know, you're not supposed to. And it's well, it's I more. We, it's more like the person you're texting is two feet away from you. Yeah. <laughs> more of that. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> Adults do that too. Yeah. Do you know, I'll send, I, you, I send you an email and you're in the mm -hmm. same office. Do you know, I yeah. can remember about 400 years ago when, I, <laughs> when cell phones used to come out and I would walk around London and the first cell phone, it, it was like a big handbag. It uh, was. It was an interstate battery pack. It was like it a, was right. old army walkie-talkies. <laughs> as big as your arm. And, like. you know, I was <laughs> so determined. I, I can remember at times that, that I would say to Carol, okay, we'll go to the shops, but you take a plastic bag and you put the phone in there. <laughs> and she, think, she used to think that I was nuts. Uh, but that was many years ago. But then email came along, and what worries me about email is it can be so uh, misunderstood. And I think that's where a breakdown of our communications came. Yeah. Um, but to me, uh, the visualization of films, uh, the, the music in films, the emotion in films can be so much more simple. It, it can be something that any kid around the world can, can connect with. But are you actually saying, Ray, that you don't want to use cell phones at all? I mean, No, it's not that. I just think that a lot of kids these days just overuse them sometimes when it's not necessary. I think he's actually hitting on a very important point about the nature of impersonal communication that does not allow one to see the emotion, uh, know the personality, um, gain communication skills, 
uh, I, I've seen it possible. There's a way to smile. There's a way to frown. There's a way to shout. There's a way to be dishonest without anyone ever seeing your facial features. And, and in this way, technology can become a gigantic wall. Um, and, and I think it's wonderful when you have the ability to interact with someone and say, good day and how are you doing? And they know how to uh, respectfully and intelligently respond. Uh, I think that when you give the common courtesy that human beings should give toward one another, that it becomes easier to have that sort of peace, compassion, and mutual consideration uh, rather than walking around in one's own world. I if I may, I'll point out a simple Greek word at this point. May we all note well that the term idion uh, is the word from which we derive idiot, that transliterated term, uh, and the concept of that term is literally one's own world, the idea of one who walks around oblivious to others and their interaction in society at large. And, and I think, unfortunately, we're raising a, a, a world of people by means of technology who are so tied into their own world that they cannot appreciate what it is to open the door for an older lady or, or help her across the street any longer or, or open the door for a gentleman of age or to uh, give common courtesy in one's eye-to-eye -eye contact and, and think about what the thing that I might say in the next few moments can do to one's emotions. Uh, and when we lack that, uh, then we hurt ourselves. And, and I think the young man is very, very insightful in what he's saying because what he's saying is he doesn't want to forego cell phones or technology because they have their place, but they do not replace common human courtesy, intelligence, and respect. Okay, so how do we set that as a premise how do we how do we set that in kids minds what is it that we have to do that any kid is aware that they have that responsibility we go back to the phones that are too large to carry <laughs> <laughs> i i think thanks it, for that yeah. answer Sierra. That, that was really helpful well i think it begins with you know as you said Ziel, in the home it begins with the connection when when kids grow up around an environment where it's loving and uh, they know that you know they can have fun with their mom and dad, and their mom and dad are in distance from them, or sometimes we get too busy. But it, it's being aware that that as human beings we have a we have a connection. You know, right now, you know, I can sit here and instead of calling my son or texting him, I can reach out and you know put my hand on him, and just that contact. They, okay, he's whacking me in the head here. Well, just touching me in the head, I should say. Um, you know, it's that we can have fun and that our children see us as adults enjoying our life being an adult. I think that's really important that we understand that we have, we live as adults multifaceted lives. Sometimes we get totally focused on something as a creative project or, and we want to be left alone. And sometimes we just want to hang out. Like at home, we have Friday nights, we all get together, sit down and watch a movie together, and then we talk about it. What did you feel about that? Did you like it? Whatever. And, or we just like to laugh together and joke around and watch funny videos. Like last night, we were watching funny videos on, on uh, one of the Internet sites that we, that we uh, like to look at. So it's spending that time together as a family. And then when kids grow up in that environment, then they can have complex technology and cell phones and computers and everything. And they know just inherently that those things have their place and they don't define their identity. Absolutely. The, we control the environment. It doesn't control us. And um, uh, television is nice, but it doesn't replace the conversation during dinner time. Um, uh, one's own space in his or her room is wonderful, but it doesn't replace familial interaction. Um, and we have to uh, kind of set that pace and, and, and create an environment that's conducive to that because we are affected by our fathers, by our mothers, by our um, uh, common societal um, hate 
havens, and, and, and as such, uh, we really are often a product of our environment, and uh, that is our social environment. And, and when we forego what it looks like to be a caring family that's not just involved in I've done eight hours of work and now I'd like to lose my life and my mind as I dribble over my lip uh, before the television, uh, and as we hold on to the reality that the football game is not more important than the soft touch that I need to give to my son to my daughter, then that message is conveyed and good values are passed on. I have a question as we're getting to the nearer, near the end of this program, and I'm going to start with you, Ray. What is your message of hope for your world in the future? What would you like to tell your listeners here? Um... Now, come on, let's make this profound. <laughs> <laughs> so you're on the spot, pal. <laughs> I just want to really say, have a really great new year, of course. I hope it's much better in that you really um, maybe try to take responsibility for yourself sometimes and show your parents, you know, maybe you can be responsible too without them maybe having to tell you or do something to make you respond. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I really think that maybe you should also, you know, try to do stuff too, do more things than maybe you did last two, last year, or try more things than you did last year, and just have fun, really. Do you have a message for us oldies? <laughs> <laughs> um, also, just try to have more fun too, if you can. Sedona? Um... Really look at yourself and what you're doing with your life because what you do with yourself reflects the world around you. And if you want to make a change, then you have to really you really have to start with yourself and then people will start to see what's going on with you and maybe they can start to change themselves too for the better. CO, do you have a message? You got 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to put you on the spot at all. Not in the least, David. <laughs> Just because there's tomorrow does not necessitate that it'll be altogether different. In fact, we hardly need to wait to tomorrow to have a difference because we can be different people today. And I think that really is the quintessential message, isn't it? That stepping over into the new year, I make a commitment to be different. I personally make a commitment to be better. And if somehow my betterment is multiplied, then I will see a better home, a better street, a better city, a better state, better country and a better world but it starts with the difference of one Randall come on well all I'll tell you is I have two credos that I live by one is that here is something to consider is imagine the best possible outcome of anything that you're involved with and second is my affirmation that I use every day which is I am expanding in abundance, success, and love more every day, and I inspire all those around me to do the same. And on the count of three, kids, you've got to say Happy New Year to all your listeners. Are you ready? <laughs> Are you ready for this? You've got to say Happy New Year 2010. You ready? Three, two, one. Happy New Year 2010. <laughs> oh, who was that? CL? You can say it again. Go on, say it again. Um, Happy New Year 2010. <laughs> I guess we're going to finish up this program by, uh, on behalf of myself and Randall Libero, who have found a wonderful new future ahead of us uh, this coming year in both radio and in television and podcasting, we would like to thank you for being with us today. Um, I would like to thank uh, Ray and Sedona and CL for being with us.
And uh, Lisa Mitchell and C.L. Mitchell, thank you so much for being here. I would like to thank everybody out there for being with us as well. Um, it is a tremendous pleasure to be able to bring you uh, all of these programs that we produce uh, on a daily basis. And uh, we're certainly uh, enjoying bringing them to you. And uh, on behalf of myself and Randall Libero, we really hope that you are getting as much out of out of this delivery uh, as as we are. We're certainly enjoying it. And I think what we'll do is we will finish up this program. If I may ask uh, CL if you would like to um, give us the final words. Life really is a journey. It's an effective journey. It will either affect positively or it will affect negatively. But it will be efficacious nonetheless so many things in our world cause us to look outward I trust that the next few hours will result in internal reflection I trust that somehow we will look inside success failures those things that we wish we had done those things that we have failed to do and take ownership of those things and recognize that we've not been faultless but we've also not been failures as such if we are here and yet breathing we are still on that journey the ultimate record has not been completed pertaining to our lives as yet and so what might be said to inspire us what might be said as we look inside at all that we have done and all that we have not all that we are and all that we are not interestingly enough since the discussion has majorly been on technology I borrow a phrase a quote if you will from the film Mr. Megorium's Wonderland in which the adult has a childlike heart and those who are closer to childhood have forgotten what it is to live the wonder of such a beautiful magical world your life is an occasion rise to it to everybody out there in this world um, we're going to go around the table and wish you a happy 2010 Randall Libera have a prosperous and marvelous new year for 2010 Ray oh yeah <laughs> Sedona happy new year CL junior come over here and say happy Yay. new year to everybody happy new year Lisa Mitchell have a happy new year and CL Mitchell happy new year we have had an absolute pleasure uh, being with you today Wherever you are in this world, God bless you, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. David Gibbons in Discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management